Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Some fairy floss and sat down on a log, listening to the big old coming over the PA. I watched the sideshow Connie's lean against the rides. I jumped up on the dodgems, steered them to the side, with hooded eyes like lizards underneath their rebel hat. They play the car in the ghost train, they grab the girlfriend's hair. The tunnel there, the skull Gives the kids a scare Heavy working arms Covered in homemade tacks There's a sucker born every minute That's a fact A sucker born every minute That's a fact I sat down in a caravan Late the same night, smoking bongs and drinking Bundy till the morning light. Photos and rods, it's an ass on a cupboard door. A cat called Weasel showed me how it's done. With a heated needle and some ink, swig of boots for fun. Wipe away the blue blood with a cotton ball. There's a sucker born every minute, that's a fact You gotta be in it to win it, that's a fact
curiosities No Siamese twins, no midgets No mermaid from Fiji No hairy boy from India No edifying melodramas But he carries a reminder Tattered on his skin Of every girl he's ever loved And every role that he's been in And he don't owe the world a thing Ain't he the cat's pajamas There's a something about every minute That's a fact You gotta be in it to win it That's a fact Oh yeah Three CR eight five five AM three CR digital three CR.org.au three CR on demand ways to listen to all the shows on three CR, including this one, Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender or pops perhaps musical genre. Three CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people, and we pay respects to elders past, present and emerging, and to all First Nations peoples listening. And um, we acknowledge that the land was stolen and never ceded. And I am your host for the hour, Sally Goldner. I use female pronouns, she, her. And lots of ways to get in touch with the show. You can um, hit the email, outofthepan855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456751215, tweet at Sal Gold said so. And that's the bottom line. Or look for the posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner, and on Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And a couple of things before I introduce my guest for the day. Um, I can't help laughing at this one. Um, a spam email came my way from the time I left my house to the time I got here um, from someone claiming to be from the Conservative Party. Thanks for backing Boris and the Conservatives. Once you have confirmed your email, we'll make sure that you receive regular updates about the party's campaign. Well, um, in the words of Bugs Bunny, he don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> How on earth did that end up with me? That will be spammed and deleted. Um, also, just very quickly, a um, bit of a tech, um, one of our um, SMS messages from last week. Um, I didn't I didn't get to see read all of it from Roving Reporter. Um, there was a rumour that Red Simons was going to take the 3AW breakfast slot over from John Burns, but I have heard, I believe, that John Burns has um, re-signed for another year or two. So we were talking about media last week. Um, so just wanting to acknowledge that SMS. Send in your thoughts today on the show with my guest who's joined me in the studio. Please welcome to 3CR, everyone. Woo, woo, woo. Sarah Timms. Sarah Timms, welcome. Hi, Sally. And as we do on this program, as I've said, I use female pro- pronouns she, her. Do you use any pronouns? I use she and her as well. Thanks, Sally. Coolio's. We've got that established and it is important. Um, well, no. I could say, you know, tell me the, tell me the Sarah Timms story, um, um, so to speak, but that's probably... Um, yeah, sort of um, a, a, bi- a big um, dive in to start with. So um, let's let's start somewhere else. Um, where does the any part of Sarah's story begin? What was a criti- Were there any critical moments of, at any point where you started to really have to think about things? 
Um, I think I knew very young that I was different. I grew up in the 70s and there really wasn't a language mm-hmm. to understand how I was feeling. And my household knew because every time um, I was left alone in the household, I would be in my mother's wardrobe uh-huh. or in my sister's bedroom trying on clothes. Yep. Um But then I began to feel a lot of shame tied Mm. up with this. And with that amount of shame, very quickly, there is a lot of suicide thoughts. Yep. And so my adolescent time was fairly tough learning to deal with that. And it was really late adolescence in my early 20s that I made the decision that this was all too much and that I had to try and be the best man I could. And I did a pretty good job of that for must have been 30, 40 years. I have a partner that I'm still with for a 30 year plus relationship, and we have had two wonderful adult daughters. Um, but the crux point came when in 2011 um, I was needing to have a major brain surgery to uh. remove a acoustical aroma. And I'd organised this so um, I could have about a three-month recovery period. I had four days free time before the operation. And during that time, I was reflecting on, now, how am I going to heal? What am I, how am I going to get better from this? What are some of the outcomes I ha- can have? And I remembered a story of a friend of the family, and she had had a brain operation. And when she woke up, she hated her husband. Wow. And I was thinking, so I could I could wake up and there could be a dramatic change in me. Mm. And I suddenly had the thought, oh, well, with the surgeon's knife, that part of you that you've compartmentalised, the, the part of you that you still feel such shame for, um, that, that could be cut away with the surgeon's knife. Mm. And at that moment, I realised, yep, magic thinking. Magic thinking. If... My healing from this operation is to mean anything. I have to go back, uncompentalise these things and learn what it really is about. Be your whole self. There's a few things in there. We will, I should have mentioned, we will discuss some mental health issues. Please reach out to someone, listeners, if that is of concern to you, um, including calling QLife, including Switchboard on 1800 184 527. I might just get you to name the... Um, situation you were facing again just explain a little more about that i um what was it um oh acoustic neuroma acoustic neuroma yes so acoustic neuroma is a um benign tumor ah uh which grows on the acoustic balanced nerve and if they're not removed they grow big enough to uh interfere with um brain function so um at uh, some point, they have to be removed surgi- surgically, or um, they now I think they use a lot of radiotherapy as well. Yep, as can happen. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things out of that. You do hear lots of people who, you know, when they're facing major operations that may not necessarily mean the proverbial physical life or death, it sort of is a big sort of shake up. And how they get shaken up, of course, can be all sorts of things. But you realised you had to face this to be whole in a sense yes yes and um to me it's been a wonderful beautiful and awesome journey since then yeah 
Um, it it's had lots of challenges, um, but it's the sudden realization in you suddenly realize how much self empowerment that you actually have when you're actually living yourself. Yep. Yeah, um, it, it is very true when you can get there and make make the proverbial wall can be a leap. Um, it is a big difference maker, but. I do want to go back. You mentioned shame um, that came in, and you know, definitely all feelings are valid um, and that sort of thing. But can, if you want to, can you explore a little more about that, what that looked like, how it developed? Because I think that you know many of us in, we'll say particularly rainbowish communities, have had to deal with those sorts of emotions. And I'm always, um, I think it's vital, which we were discussing just before we came in, to hear about what that meant for you. Put that in your own words if you're wanting to. So it was sort of, for me, it was the thing um, which uh, was always in the background of my childhood. Um, I knew that this um, was something that I did and I couldn't discuss with anyone. Mm. Um, And very quickly, the, the shame meant that I think in many respects, my parents were very progressive. They, um, and at times I think they actually tried to reach out and have a discussion with me, but I, because of the shame, I was closing it down. I, I just felt that this whole thing was too shameful. I could not, I could not see a way forward. Mm. And with hindsight, has anything become clear about where that shame might have come from? You know, sort of, as it sort of sometimes the other thing by moving forward is that sometimes you can sit and I'll use the phrase over psychoanalyze something, but sometimes when you move forward, it sort of clears itself up. Momentum can be a pretty good thing most of the time. Has anything become clear as, you know, in the last, what was it, eight years or nine years since you decided to move, you know, take different paths? Um, I, in in a sense, to me, the, the the difficulty was, I think it gets back to the fact that um, we didn't understand what was happening. There was a really interesting when I was I must have been about eighteen. We had a really interesting. Um, we had some very close friends that we always used to spend Christmas Day with. Yeah, and this Christmas. Um, the father of that household, David, was talking about the difficulty he was having at work. So this is mid-70s. Yeah. um, With someone transitioning at work to be a woman. The 70s, wow. And, um, you know, the issues of um, toilets and all these issues and issues of pronouns. He was saying how difficult this was. And we were saying, yes, but why is this a difficulty for you? Because this person no longer uses the male toilet oh no but it's it it was a difficulty Mm. and in this conversation my mother looks over at me and says well you know we would get behind these people and really support them if only they would make their mind up and I was sitting there saying yeah that's the level of understanding we have that I have to make my mind up but Mm. I can't make my mind up because um, this is the feedback you're giving me. You've just hit the nail on the head in so many factors. It's sort of that 
the minority, the group facing the minority stress has to do all the work. Make, go ahead and make up your mind up, get on with it sort of yeah. thing. Well, yes, it's not easy because of what you were hearing of you, of this um, family friend situation of the a trans person at work. And, you know, it's just, made, it's just been made harder, but you have to then try harder, <laughs> that sort of yes. thing. And I had another conversation. This is why, in a sense, people around the family knew. Mm. Um, and this mother I hadn't seen for many years came up to me and mentioned something about this and I didn't know what to say and she says well you know my son plays in a band and you know they wear dresses and all sorts of things so why don't you go and do something like that and it's like yeah but I don't play the guitar and I don't play the drums and you know I don't quite feel (laughs) that That's not what you wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do, yes. So this there was this very um narrow idea of um um what this was all about. And even my mother saying, You just have to make your mind up, you just have to go down that path. Yet no one could tell me what that path was. No one could actually paint a positive picture of what that um path could be. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you know, that which makes lots of sense. And it's sort of why we need such a broad cross section of visible people, um, you know, for trans and gender diverse, not just say trans women, trans men, non-binary, but occupationally, um, you know, sort of obviously of other intersections, people of colour, people with disabilities, so on. Um, We need people, otherwise you can't quite see yourself and I will refrain from making probably politically incorrect jokes about drummers on air. But um, if you know those jokes, people of all genders, <laughs> including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen, you can send them in and we'll share them discreetly. But um, seriously, yeah, you just couldn't see yourself um, in that sense. So, yeah. Um, and so then there was this sense of, well, it's shame and it feels also comes across as a bit of guilt. I couldn't make up my mind. I couldn't be firm and decisive, which sort of was almost you know, toxic masculinity, got to be really for you know, that sort of thing. Very, very much so. I think that link, and that's why I feel that um, period of adolescence for people who are different is so difficult, is that um, a form of uh, patriarchy is thrust upon you at that age. Yep. Um, whether uh, for both uh, young women and young young men. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, you know, young men or assigned male if we want to be precise got to behave certain ways and then women are told because of that you have to behave yes, certain exactly. ways and yes um you know it's sort of to be perhaps authentic and break out of those very limited gender binary stereotypes is not easy so yeah no thanks for thanks for working through that because i think it is important that often it can be that one sort of pivotal thing that can really you know stick with someone and be hard to sort of uproot and you know, perhaps you know, by sharing that, it can perhaps help people perhaps pinpoint that pivotal thing for them. We'll have a breather at this point, and I should have added we opened up with Broderick Smith from one of his solo albums, musically, The Carney. As of course, we're heading towards midsummer. Um, in on January 19th is Carnival Day at Alexandra Gardens, and by coincidence of timing. The next track scheduled was a Dingo's track, Shine a Light. 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand. You're on Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Sarah.
The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. Hi, I'm Michelle Briere, Mani Dubonnet's Ojibwe from Canada. And I am Shakti Hayes from the Cree Nation, Canada. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. And we love and support Community Radio. Why? Because it speaks the truth. 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Sarah speaking her own truth today. And prior to the messages we heard from the dingoes and shine a light, well, we're now at that point where a light shone for you. If we've come back to 2011, um, what happened next? Um, well, the recovery from the operation was more than I expected, and that took some time. Um, but the 
I reached out to some online groups and um, began to make some friends with other trans women. Um, and I think one of the breakthrough moments was when both of us for the first time agreed to meet and have lunch together at a cafe. And it was the realisation that we're sitting there having lunch and the two much younger, younger professional women at a table next to us uh, just don't notice us. Mm. And the sudden realisation that, oh, I was so afraid that everyone in this restaurant would be <laughs> staring at me, looking at me all the time. And, um, I mean, even if I knocked one of them on the shoulder, I'm sure she would be totally disinterested. And it was really that gave me the confidence then to step out by myself and living in the inner north, I discovered that it's a wonderful accepting place that I could hop on, hop on the 86 tram, go down to Northcote, walk into cafes and have a coffee, have lunch, walk into the beautiful small designer, clothes designer boutiques there and they were more than happy for me to try on clothes and um, allow me to flourish. There you go. Just a, a question then. At that point of time meeting up with the other trans women in the cafe, had you been out in public, as we'll say, I'll use the words, wearing what society calls feminine attire before? No. 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 That's a pretty, that is a rel, still a relatively big step. I mean, I think, you know, groups like Seahorse Club of Victoria are a good sort of, you know, stepping stone, if you like, to do things step by step and have their place. So that is, you know, all the same. The fact that you just went and did that. Um, with someone who you might not have even known that well, that's a pretty, you know, that is a sense of courage and um, a good stretch to do that. Well, one of the, thing, one of the things that um, I learnt that at a young age, realising that I was different, realising, making the decision that I couldn't pursue it, when I was in the adolescent period, I really struggled because I didn't have a lot of good resilience skills and I didn't have ah. a lot of skills to manage it i think what happened was that over the pursuing time i actually began to learn some really good resilience strategies and i i did um did i think i've always had a natural courage that i'm willing to dive in and give things a go okay so that's that's where we've got something here that there is this sense of courage and resilience that you know was still strong enough despite whatever other feelings were going on to sort of work through and applying those base skills to the situation of your sense of gender. Yes. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's a good, you know, good learning. What can we each take in our situation that seems to work for us? You know, what, what works for each person? And that's what worked for you, which is really good to know. So you, you kept going after that um, wonderful lunch where happily no one cared because they were only worried about whether the you know, their, I don't know, their focaccia was warmed up correctly or something, um, or the coffee was um, a latte or a flat white as ordered or, or something like that. But what well, happened? There's actually a cafe not far from here on Gertrude Street, ah. behind St Vincent's. So I think the two young women looked as though they were um, in the, from the medical profession. You know, they had very official-looking lanards and things. Ah. And, and it appeared to me that they were just far more interested in their conversation. Mm than anything else that was going on. And the people in the cafe were so warm to us. They were overly warm. We had to try and 
tell them to stop saying how <laughs> awesome it is that you came to our cafe. It's sort of like... <laughs> yeah, but you're bringing attention to us and we don't want that. <laughs> my apologies. I forgot to put a couple of mic buttons back on. So, um, Sarah, for our listeners, if, you, if it wasn't quite clear, was just talking about a point where she went out and had a great time, almost too great a time, and it went on from there and developed skills um, that were there, sitting there, waiting to be developed further of courage and resilience. So, yeah, there was the cafe scenario and, well, steps that happened after that. Well, after that, I think I started going out a lot by myself. Um, I often used to go to the um, um, the university outlet in um, uh, in Bandura, uh, and I also was enjoying Northcote and Thornbury. And I think for a long time it was very much when I went out, I was very much in a bubble, so I... I I would would often feel quite anxious, but I'd be overcoming my anxiety. And then there was the realization that um, the way to deal with people was just to look them in the eye and smile. <laughs> and suddenly you would see this look that might be inquisitive or not sure would suddenly drop and they would smile back at you. And that was the way I found how to step outside um, that bubble and then take that real step of just learning to go out and be myself and um, not feel a lot of anxiety, not feel, um, be fearful of my own internal fears, my own um, fear of what may be. Yep. Now, sometimes it can be an effort to just sort of um, raise up the strength and push through a bit, but of course it can be. We're um, having results. I'm reminded of someone who was a driver of the trans community, particularly Seahorse in the late 20th century, um, Louise Hordern, and maybe a little politically incorrect for our times today. But she used to say sometimes, actually, was it Louise or it could have been um, Elaine Barry? Um, oh blank from the um, veteran trans member here but um, the phrase was sometimes you've just got to go out there and stick your tits out and do it um, maybe not as I say ultra politically correct I acknowledge that but um, you know it's a, it comes from the same place it is about mustering up the strength in fact I think that was Elaine who said that um, but anyway um, you know it is it's not an easy thing to do but if you can do it and get through it is a sense of well, yes <laughs> that sort of thing and so the other part I want to Desperate, well, I didn't say desperately, but was very keen to hear is about your employment. Um, you know, we have to do that that thing called work, and because I haven't won a lottery yet after trying on and off for many years, and well, says me looking at my now empty coffee cup, there's coffee to buy, um, that sort of thing. Um, how has that part of life gone since, well, you know, since 2011 in particular, let's say? So, um, uh, since 2006, I've worked as a secondary school teacher, mm -hmm. and initially I was working in product design and technology, which was a fancy name for a woodwork teacher. <laughs> and in my current employment, I'm employed as um, a learning area leader for technology and a systems engineering teacher. Uh -huh. And systems engineering is a fancy name for doing a bit of mechanics and a bit of electronic and circuit building with the students. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I do this at a Catholic college in um, the southeastern suburbs or probably the eastern suburbs, yeah. 
Wow. So now there's probably listeners going immediately, you know, the ears prick up, the instant question. There you are. Um, I will say someone who one way or another comes under trans and gender diverse working at a religious school. And I suppose the obvious elephant in the room is, of course, well, there's two, there's that part, but then there's the other obvious elephant in the room of this religious discrimination bill, which has probably got everyone instantly pricking up their ears. Tell us, um, how is that going when you're know, working at that school as much as you want to tell? Um, look, it really has a, its ups and downs. Um, this year was my, um, I was planning to spend a large part of the last six months of this year looking for alternative employment. Mm-hmm. But um, we had a family crisis. My ah. daughter had a um, uh, an incident of serious mental illness. Oh, dear. Um, so we've had to um, rent a place for her within the catchment of the hospital that she's being treated at. So, And the treatment she gets through that is fantastic. Oh, that's good. It is when you discover these services are being made available for, for an extended period of time, it's absolutely wonderful. And um, my partner is, is living with her there. So this creates some... Um, financial stress so i've had to put that move on hold i think in terms of working in the catholic sector um one of the really important pluses is that um at the beginning of this year the print got up in front of us uh, all of the staff and told us that the catholic education office was advising us that there'd been two major changes to their policy document. So this is the document which governs all Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. And all Catholic schools have to um, uh, have programs and support um, uh, children who are exploring gender and who have same-sex attraction. So this is a major policy change which I don't think everyone is aware. So the issue is largely then to do about discrimination with staff. Right. Um, and I don't think that would um, is going to change in the short term. The whole issue around the federal discrimination laws, I think, are really frightening, not only because it wants to entrench discrimination, it's taking... Because we don't have a human rights legislation in Australia, this could mean that religious right becomes the determinant of what Ah. your rights are. Mm. And I think that's quite serious. But rather than look at the political, get back to my personal journey, um, there are are wonderful things about faith communities. Yes. Often faith communities are well in advance of... um, uh, institutional hierarchies. Yeah. And I went to a plenary council um, uh, earlier in the year for the Catholic Church, and it was quite clear talking to people there that people within the Catholic faith community get LGBTIQ+. They they have children who um, are part of our community, yep. and they want to love their children. Yep. Their community are bonded enough that they want to love their 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 family friends and the and um so the the blocker is 
this entrenched mm. um, uh, patriarchal view within the church. My personal experience is that um, I feel what is what makes it so difficult for me at school is that the school is very conservative and I've well outgrown that conservatism. Uh. Our last day of school was Friday and I found Friday to be a very difficult day. We have lots of speeches that people are leaving and people are giving these wonderful speeches and you know that they've reached out and caught the essence of someone that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was aware that no one here that I had a barrier which stopped those people touching the essence of me. And that just reinforces for me the need to move on. Yeah, which is sad that you perhaps can't do a job that you otherwise enjoy and uses your skills and pays income. But environment, I think, is an overlooked factor. You know, we sometimes have this thing about work out what I call the three-line job description and yet an environment doesn't necessarily come into that. Um, And a few other things came to mind as you were talking. I was thinking I had the um, pleasure a few weeks ago of visiting um, the Vincent Care Premises Ozenham House, which has been rebuilt to be more inclusive and have self-contained rooms. And Jack Tomlins, who is a major driver of that, said that Vincent Care might be is run by Catholics, not Catholicism, which I think is a good way of reinforcing what you've said. Um, I know from my work in the Jewish community, the Jewish community in Melbourne is a pretty representative sample of society. Progressive, people learning, and then some people who won't, that sort of thing. So I think that, yeah, there are lots of people at the grassroots of faith. Also, Salvation Army and you know, people say, what about their clauses about gays and lesbians? But there's lots of people at the grassroots and the service provision who just want to do the best, the right thing. Yeah. So I think that there is that, which I think is probably a good thing to remind ourselves of because there is understandably a lot of fear and other emotion about the bill, which I won't come back to. Enough talk about that anyway. But um, I think that there are lots of people out there who we can perhaps tap into, which is a really good thing. So, yeah, um, where are we going? I think I'm going to keep rolling for a bit. We'll skip a track or two. (laughs) Um, The other part I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned this, um, you know, first of all, I'm so glad to hear that your daughter is getting good mental health care. It can be a very challenging um, thing to find that and to get it and to get the support needed. But um, including that, I'll say, um, you know, family, you you mentioned partner, two daughters. Um, how's all that been with, you know, we'll say prior to this and during this with your journey, other all the aspects of that? Um, so I, I, I've come out to all the members of my family. Yeah. And and that was um, um, been an interesting journey. It, it sort of brought my partner and I closer together. Wow. Um, but in the end, I think she really struggles with, mm. with me being trans. Um, uh, and I'm very open. I think it strengthened our relationship. Um, but I don't know what form it'll go forward in, but I'm very open to that. Yeah. Um, uh, my younger daughter, I came out to, well, being Melbourne, where else do you come out to but in a cafe? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag caffeine, yes. Yeah. Um, and um, it was like 
she gave me a look. She took a gulp of water. I think she drank some coffee. And then she like paused for a minute and has been very supportive. Yeah, I thought you were going to say she then called the waitress over and said, what time do you does the bar open or something? <laughs> no, but no, look, it can be a surprise. It can sort of come as a left field thing, bolt out of the blue, you know, to people when you tell them um, in whatever setting. But, um, you know, it's sort of, which is fair enough. But the fact that she was like, oh, you know, and then work just has sort of gone on. It would yes. sound, yeah. And was... she's been the best one at calling me Sarah and using... Um, pronouns. Yeah. My eldest daughter at the time was living with her partner in Alice Springs. Yep. And um, uh, she was in a same-sex relationship. Uh-huh. Um, and we used to talk a lot on the phone. She had um, told me about this wonderful movie I should see called The Life and Death of uh, Marsha Johnson. Which, of course. Which I watched and discussed with her. And we were driving down Hoddle Street discussing this and um, my eyes are filling up with tears. Mm-hmm. And so when I did come out to her, um, we used to talk a lot on the phone and I said, well, there's something I need to tell you. And she said, yes, I know. I think I know what's coming. Um, well, how do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to organize a phone call we can chat just about that or do you want a letter she said write me a letter so I did and then we had a wonderful chat after she read the letter and this is when she said yeah I knew I knew that time when when you were falling when you were tearing up on Hoddle Street when we're discussing the life and times of Marcia Johnson yeah Marcia P Johnson by the way um August 24 45 to 6 July 92 American, as, as Wikipedia says here, gay liberation activist and self-identified drag queen, known as an outspoken advocate for gay rights, prominent figures in the Stonewall Uprising and many other things. And, of course, um, um, also did work later on with ACT UP, amongst many other things. So, yeah, one of our absolute pioneers and amazing, well, I'm not sure, um, I'll, I'll say person of colour, not sure of other labels there to use, but, um, yeah, um, so that's the sort of thing that will connect. And, and, you know, look, I think when it comes to family, um, people who are gay, lesbian, bi, it's ballpark next door, so to speak, and there can be that sense of empathy. So that's got to be a good thing to have that sort of support in there that was so close. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll so look- I, I, th- I think in many respects I, I have been um, very lucky. Yeah, I'm no, very blessed that you've got three people who are, you know, sort of there for you. Um, it can be sometimes a lonely journey for trans or gender diverse people. And, you know, the fact that the family is there is really, really wonderful. And of course, the journeys keep going, which we might come back and just um, get um, do the end of the story after we have another track. And um, I, th- well, I'm sorry, this... This was only half planned and it's going to work. Here's a Paul Kelly track from the album um, Comedy. Your little sister is a big girl now. (laughs) 3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR on demand, out of the pan with Sally and guest Sarah Timms. She was always bugging us.
Get your copy of 3CR's magnificent book. It's a stunning history of the people, programs and issues at the station since 1976. On sale now for the amazing price of just $20. Pick one up at the station or jump online and place your order. Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR. On sale now for $20. I'm checking in with Australia on 855 on your AM dial. And remember, community radio is subscription-sponsored, and I think it's incredibly important to always remember that it's a different perspective. Check it. Community radio now and beyond. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally and guest Sarah. And um, coming up in about, if you're listening live, 12 minutes time, Freedom of Species covering animal advocacy issues. And um, we just heard of a couple of things you can do. There's a a possibility. Buy someone a Christmas present, um, a 3CR book, or um, 
a subscription to 3CR and help support community radio or a seasonal gift if you don't believe in Christmas. Um, things coming up in the next week. Um, Spectrum Intersections meets in Carlton on um, Wednesday evening. Um, and as well, Seahorse has the Trans Cafe Night, according to my schedule for Kingsters. Provocation is on the last one of the year with the Christmas theme and um, Bent TV. And got to say, yours truly was on Bent TV. They produced that one very quickly, along with an interview with Transgender Victoria colleague Brenda Appleton. But there's one thing that was right at the top of my list, believe it or not, that is coming up this Tuesday night. Um, if I still have it right, if it's at Denbar. Uh, so actually, I think it's at uh, the Anne Wesley in Northcote. The Denbar's um, being renovated. Oh, okay. Um, I need to stay up to date. But it's called Alphabet Soup, and that was literally on the top of my list. So pretty good telepathy, and you do stuff with Alphabet Soup at the Heidelberg Heidelberg event. Yes. Yeah, so alpha, the concept of Alphabet Soup extended probably about two years ago. And one of the offshoots was the opportunity for volunteers, trans, gender diverse and non-binary people to come along, volunteer at a cafe, run the cafe on a Saturday afternoon Mm -hmm. at the Sycamore Tree Cafe in Heidelberg. Right. And that has been an absolutely, for me, an absolutely awesome initiative. Yep. I volunteered for it. Um which required me to do some cafe training. So I had to volunteer at the cafe and I came in on about three or four occasions and uh, learned how to make coffee. Oh, you're my friend forever. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And um, the wonderful thing was that this was done midweek. So this was just in a normal cafe clientele. And, you know, first you're nervous because you're trans, first you're nervous because you're making your first coffee. You you don't want to have too many come back. And people just came up in the cafe and said, oh, we can see you're the new um, barista trainee and and you're doing a great job, your coffee's terrific and it's great to see you here. And unexpectedly, it became this wonderful affirmation. Sensational. Yes. Well, look, there's there's lots of things, and I'll get the humorous part out of the way first. I'm slowly learning how to do plunger coffee, and mine always is still cold, so I'll have to talk to you about <laughs> that. But on the serious and more relevant side, trying to, and of course we value all forms of diversity on this show, including caffeine diversity, um, but seriously, I mean, just the sense of just togetherness that um, I know um, happens at Alphabet Soup events is just huge, and you're helping to foster that. And um, so one of the things I think is important about uh, Heidelberg is the fact that we volunteer, it creates uh, a stronger sense of togetherness. Yep. One of our early events, there was a group of non-binary, younger non-binary people, and I mm. sat down to talk to them and to find out, you know, what what was so good about coming here for them, apart yep. from the coffee, of course. Um, and they were saying, "Well, it's we are just so happy to be sitting in a room with these people. Yep, that we can turn round and there's." a trans man, a trans woman, and they're telling us that there's a future. So informed by that, I've tried to work really hard when we're promoting Alphabet Soup Heidelberg to really go for um, 
to try and encourage a diverse spectrum of uh, transgender diverse and non-binary community. And I yep. think that's so important to to trying to create a, a strong sense of community. I think we're really fortunate that a parent group of uh, trans children, Kaleidoscope, um, always comes each month. And I think that really offers a wonderful uh, underpinning um, to to the whole event that th- that we really are aiming at uh, a broad range of um, people. Yep. Oh, look, most most def- most definitely. There's so much in there. I've got to say that the joy that I experienced when I went to the I've been to two of the Transcend picnics. Um, you know, and they're they're wonderful in that regard. Um, you know that um, you know that they're there, and you just see young. Um, you know, sort of trans people running around having a good time, and they might not be trans. You don't know; they could be their sis siblings. But also, I think you know it was interesting. I just wanted to mention this. I had the, well, I will say the pleasure of it, um, attending an, a, a roundtable for supporting younger non-binary people. And yeah, you know, yes, obviously non-binary is different to binary, but I was struck a bit. You know, there were um, some people there who identified as cis lesbians. Myself as a trans woman, and it's sort of like lack of visibility, need for education. It is sometimes it's, you know, everything old is new again. But I was also struck, I had the pleasure during the week as part of work of hearing a, um, the person's in their early 30s, a non-binary story, and it's, they hadn't heard the word non-binary until eight years ago, and it was like, gee, I'd never heard the word transgender until I was 29. And it is interesting how this sort of can come back and sort of repeat. It's, um, It's left me a bit, you know, pondering, reflecting a bit. But I think that having that visibility, at least of someone close, you know, a trans woman or trans man, has got to be beneficial for a start. Um, and there's enough similarities to work on. So, um, you know, it is a wonderful thing that you are doing this. And very quickly, hopes for the future for yourself or for in any part of your life. So the the grand plan for the future is um, my partner and I are very keen to sell the house we currently live in. Yep. I think we would both um, thinking of them buying two smaller units each and yep. living separately. Um, but, but I see that as a really positive thing of but moving together as a family. Just the relationships are changing and are different, and. I th- I would like to feel that by the end of next year, um, I'll either be in a new job or be um, stepping into to one where I can be um, uh, a trans woman um, full time. Be your true self, one hundred percent. Yes, so that when I leave that workforce, they can see the essence of me. Yep, that's I think a pretty good note to finish on. Be yourself and see. And so your essence can shine through. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in to share the story. Thanks so much. All the best to you and your family for a safe season and a wonderful 2020 as we head into a new decade. Um, Thanks for being here. Thank you, Sally. And I also want to give you a special thanks. Um, Last year, I did the Leadership Victoria course that you spoke at. And... Um, sitting in that audience, listening to you and seeing to you, you gave me a vision of of a role model, a path that I could follow because he was 
I what radiated for me was here was a person who was so true to themselves, who was so speaking from their heart. Thank you for saying that. That's and, appreciated. But I think why why I wanted to tell you was to let you know that that um, that your visibility um, is is seen and internalised by many of us in in a really positive, really positive way. Thank you. Um, look, it, yeah, I'll just say I'll just um, I'll borrow from one of my <clears throat> musical heroes who um, was just recently in Melbourne, Wendy Raw. He said, "Sometimes in a world that seems very psychologically polluted, when you get a nice <clears throat> heartfelt compliment like that, just breathe it in um, and get some fresh air." Thanks for saying that. I, I do appreciate that a lot. I'll take it out um, as we move over to. Um, Freedom of Species, I couldn't quite get the pronunciation for this song right, but Richard Pleasance, who was in Boom Crash Opera, put out a song very similar called Sarah a few years ago. So, Sarah, thank you for being on Out of the Pan. Catch you for the last show of the live show of the year next week. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. Here we go. Not to touch you